Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava, and I'm joined by my colleague, Sarush. Hey, everyone. So on this episode, we're continuing the job acquisition series, and this episode features preparing for your interview, elements you should include in your preparation, and rocking the interview itself. So you will gain lots of new information from the interview process, leading to making a crucial decision about your future job. All right, it's time to get down to business. So one of the first things to consider, Sarush, is your appearance, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you show up looking professional, to the workplace and uh, looking tidy, right? There's definitely no uh, specific uh, conditions that you need to satisfy while dressing yourself. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's uh, your own style, but being tidy and clean is uh, of utmost importance. You want to present yourself as a true professional, Mm -hmm. and this is how you will appear to your patients. Mm -hmm. And definitely the person who's conducting the interview is... Um, in a way judging you on your appearance as well mm-hmm. and then one way you can actually kind of judge how the people in the clinic also dress is if you go on the meet the team section of some of the clinics mm-hmm. they have the pictures of the the clinicians right you can see how they're dressing if it's more formal or more athletic looking um, even if it's more athletic looking sometimes like if you're dressing a little bit more formal just because it is an interview um, that might be you know a good idea I mean there's no right way or wrong way as long as like Slava was saying as long as you're looking clean looking tidy and presenting yourself well I think that's a really good start mm-hmm And part of your appearance is definitely the body language aspect of it. When you come in, um, it's important to establish that first connection with the person who interviews you. So a nice handshake, nice firm handshake would be a great touch because similar to how you establish rapport with your patients with that first physical touch, it's also important to do the same thing with the person who's interviewing you. The second thing, it's important to smile because... Once somebody sees a smile or once you smile yourself, the research has uh, shown that the brain starts to get into more positive thoughts once you Mm -hmm. smile. It even works with a forced smile, Mm -hmm. but ideally you're coming in uh, happy and hyped up (laughs) for the interview so that you exude that confidence and Mm -hmm. that uh, um, those amazing positive feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've been listening to a TED Talk, Surush and I, um, about... Uh, power poses before interviewing and um, the confidence that it helps to build if you open up your posture and do poses like the superman where your hat where your fists are by your waist and you're uh, opening up your chest that really gets uh, gets you in a more confident mood and helps to alleviate some of those nerves Um, and in general any poses that really allow you to take up a lot of space um those ones will help to get you into the right uh, confident mindset so that you go into the interview feeling a lot better and uh, you're going to be executing uh, and asking the right questions that you wanted to ask. Um, So, Sarush, what are the kind of um, some advice that you can give to our interviewees um, 
during the actual interaction with the person taking the interview. Yeah. So again, with this also includes the smiling, right? When you're when you're speaking to them, just being authentically, obviously smiling, not having like a forced smile because they can also <laughs> tell if it's forced or not, right? And you know, coming in, saying hello to everybody, being just being you know a positive, happy person going in, you know, saying hi to the front desk, to all the uh, to anybody in the clinic, um, not just the person you're interviewing. Um, but once you sit down with the individual you're interviewing with, you have to kind of get an idea of how they're also sitting. Now, there's been uh, some research also showing. Uh, mirroring the uh, interviewer also actually helps you connect with them a little bit more because when you kind of take the same pose of the individual across the table from you they feel more connected to you um, you know unconsciously and that's uh, definitely an important point to consider right so if someone is you know sitting more formally and they have their hands on the table with their hands together for example and you're sitting with your like legs open (laughs) one arm flying out to the side you know super lax and like not really kind of it, it might feel a little bit bit of a disconnection between you two um, so that is also an important thing to consider because again not only do they judge you based on what answers you give but they also make these internal judgments of how they felt after they met you now obviously keep in mind when you're you know mirroring the posture poses you have to be authentic too right if it feels forced that's also can come off as a bit of a negative right you want to still be yourself but also just try to read the person in front of you and just understand how to communicate with them and like Slava was saying that's another important part of your body language right just mirroring the interviewer but again make sure you're authentic you're smiling and you're you're just having a good time with the interviewer right and in terms of the body language if you're the person who's interviewing is able to see your hands and your hands are nice and open that gives a little bit more of a message of trust whereas if you're hiding your hands then it seems like you have something to hide so try to keep them above the table or above um, something that you're carrying above your laptop so that Mm -hmm. the patient can see essentially the back of your palms on top of the table that will create a really positive message there. Uh, and lastly, um, when you're listening to somebody uh, in terms of speaking, try to show that you're actively listening to what they're saying. Uh, you want to nod along to what they're saying if you agree, um, but don't over nod. So some people just <laughs> act as if they're bobbleheads at <laughs> the baseball game <laughs> and not too much. That just um, that becomes a little bit... Um, towards the annoying side once you do it too, too much. But if you do it in strategic spots, do a couple of head, two to three head shakes that will show that you're understanding what's going on and uh, actively listening to your uh, conversation partner. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the other thing that we also think is really important, which we talked about in our uh, last podcast uh, episode, was we talked about the values, right? Aligning yourself with the values at the clinic is also a very important thing. Now, the one way you can actually get an understanding of whether or not the individuals at the clinic actually embody or are actually um, are one with the values and they really believe in those values is the person interviewing you should theoretically know these values really well. And so they're obviously in a position of leadership. And sometimes the interviewer is not always the owner of the clinic or the owner of the operations. It could be someone, could be the clinic manager, right, clinic director. But the way you can actually kind of get an understanding of that culture is ask them what the top value, what their top three values are at the clinic. Now, obviously, you would have done the research yourself and seen what they have on their website. A lot of people 
do have uh, their values written out online. Um, so, you know, you'll know it as well. But at the same time, you want to see how they're thinking about those values, what their perception is of those values. And that will also kind of feed into a little bit about the culture and um, whether or not they actually truly believe in that culture and a part of that culture. Now, the other thing that you should also be thinking about is some of the important questions that you will likely be asked and they could be physio related or non-physio related right so a, a few of the classic questions that you will run into with a lot of the individuals who are meeting you for the first time would be for example they ask tell you tell me about yourself right and you want to prepare you know some thoughts about that right i mean you should be able to tell someone about yourself, obviously, but sometimes, you know, just so you don't fumble your words or something, right? You know, having just kind of thinking about what your, uh, you know, your hobbies is, who you are and how you can demonstrate that to the individual without rambling on for too long. That's an important step for sure, right? So, Surush, if I asked you to tell me about yourself, what would you say in this situation? Well, to an I'd, interviewer. Yeah. So if you were to ask me right now, I'd say, you know, my name is Saroosh, um, and I just finished my physiotherapy degree at uh, the University of Toronto. Um, I'd talk about some of the things that I like to do, obviously, as well, just to kind of get them an idea about myself. You know, I do love the business side of physiotherapy. I'm also very interested in the clinical side. And, you know, there's some techniques that I've been looking online, certain uh, treatment techniques like uh, McKenzie Mulligan or the certain ortho levels. And then I also, you know, look at a lot of uh, things that are more business oriented. So I, I look at, uh, you know, like the Excel sheets for clinics and uh, try to get an understanding of some of the values they look at month to month or year to year, right? How do they improve their uh, revenues? How do they kind of create culture? How do they do all the the business slash team dynamic side of the clinic? And then just um, just talk about essentially more about myself in terms of my hobbies and and uh, and then I, I try to wrap up with some goals, for example, for the future with the clinic and career in my life as well. Exactly. So what Suraj did perfectly is there is he highlights which educational institution he came from, which tells the uh, interviewer about his credibility also he tries to give a personal touch about talking about his hobbies and some of his interests uh, when he talks about his interest in business he highlights how he's different apart from most other applicants and uh, lastly talking about his goals shows that he's uh, very ambitious and goal-oriented and um, provides more insight into where he's at in his clinical and uh, career journey mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that they will also likely talk to you about is your relevant experiences that will be applicable to that specific clinical setting. So if you're applying for a private practice clinic, a small clinic or whatever it is, um, they're going to be essentially wanting to ask you about questions like, for example, maybe it's a clinic that takes a lot of MBAs. Um, have you had experience with uh, any of the OCFs, for example? Have you had experience doing paperwork? Or if it's mostly private, it's like, what's your treatment style? Or something like that, where um, it's more uh, related to what you did in your placements and even prior to kind of school, maybe what you did uh, with volunteering, if you're a kinesiologist for like a few years or something like that, you, those are some, uh, you know, relevant experience for a private practice clinic. Now, if it's like a hospital position that you're applying to, that's going to be a little bit different, right? They're going to be asking you what your experiences were in the hospital settings, how many placements you did in the hospital. So those are things that you should also be uh, looking for as well. So definitely uh, something to, uh, to prepare in terms of the relevant experiences you had, the placement or 
uh, what you've done in regards to the private practice or the field of physiotherapy you're in. Um, the next question that you'll likely hear is where you will see yourself in five years. That's a very, very common one because people want to uh, lock you in long-term ideally. That's how most people should be preparing. And that is how it is in the real world. So you should prepare something at home as well in terms of your goals and try to clearly articulate uh, that message because if you start to ramble on, it will tend to show the interviewer that you're not exactly sure where you see yourself in those five years uh, and um, would leave less of a positive impression on on them as well. Um, so Sarush alluded to that with his goals previously and from his goals he builds out a very um, approximate strategy of how he's going to achieve it. Uh, and you don't have to have you don't have to give specific timelines. It could be very vague, but as long as you hit on the important milestones, um, that will show that you're, you know, what's uh, where your plan is moving to five years. So Slava, let me ask you, how have you successfully resolved a conflict in the past? So in terms of successfully resolving a conflict, we definitely work with patients, right? So it's always, uh, we're in the business of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like... Jim Millard said, Mm -hmm. I love his quote, we're not in the business of physiotherapy, we're in the business of people. But uh, resolving a conflict, I've recently uh, had a patient actually who showed up late for her appointment 15 uh, minutes late, and she still expected the full treatment. So I provided to her the treatment as much as possible. It's the soft tissue release, a little bit of uh, exercises, plus um, some of the communications that had to take place. So my biggest tool with the patients is communications, is communication, uh, because we have to set the expectations that because the schedule is booked, uh, it is difficult for me to provide the full value of the appointment if the patient shows up late. And I assure her that if she shows up on time the next time, she will receive as much value as possible at every opportunity. And I demonstrate that I try to show her as much value as I could in the circumstances provided. So it's all a matter of set, uh, setting some expectations and uh, trying to show the person that you've done your best and that you really care about them. But unfortunately, circumstances uh, cause this minor conflict, which will be resolved in the future with the right steps in place. And Slava, you know, did that answer that very well, right? And he essentially you know, first of all, explain what the situation was, explain what the conflict was and how he approached it and what the next steps were after that situation, right? You know, there's it's very difficult to not, you know, whether it's conflict, you know, internally with a, a co-worker or whether it's uh, a conflict with uh, anybody else in the team or the client or whatever it is, there is, you always have to be able to appropriate resolve these conflicts, right? And how you manage those situations is actually going to be very key, right? Because you want them to come back, you know, you want to care, provide appropriate care um, and having those steps like Slava, you know, mentioned, you know, talking, giving the education, communicating the importance of, you know, coming on time, especially if there's another individual waiting, right? You, it's, 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 it's something that you have to, you know, consider. And so you want to think about how you've resolved the conflict in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Another thing that uh, most people miss, but it is definitely more important these days, is your soft skills. So those include your communication style and your leadership skills, plus 
how you're able to resolve conflicts is another soft skill that's it's hard to teach it comes with experience and with some knowledge of certain situations so soft skills is definitely something that employers are paying attention to and especially given the fact that we're working with uh, human beings and there are different situations that come up that you need to deal with and set them up for success so what are some of the soft skills that you think are important Sarush? Well, 100%, obviously, communication uh, is one of the number one soft skills that is very important in our in our scope and in our uh, profession because we have to be able to let the individual understand why they're coming in, how long they're going to be coming in for, what we'll be doing, the plan, right? In the first initial, uh, essentially, meeting that you have with the client, if they don't have an understanding of that whole plan, um, it might not be likely that they'll come back because you don't. They don't know what they have to do. Sometimes a lot of people physiotherapy uh, with you might be their first time in a physiotherapy clinic, so you have to get them an understanding of what your role is, how you're supposed to get them back to uh, their you know previous activity, whether or not if they want to get to a certain point, how you're going to get them there, right? So the other one is listening as well, right? Active listening, obviously, it's very important and. This is something that, you know, we need to, uh, we've, a lot of people have talked about in our profession too, right? That's another one where, you know, listening, just listening to the individual speak and just talk, you know, without interrupting them, without pushing them to give you uh, a certain answer, right? So not, not be, be having open-ended questions and all that stuff. That's very important, um, especially uh, with uh, individuals who have, it's their first time uh, in physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. And in our previous podcast with Tanya Yardley, she really gave a nice breakdown of what proper active listening actually looks like and feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check that out for sure. And lastly, one of the questions clinic owners or clinic directors always ask is your educational plan for the future. So are you going to be doing your uh, manual therapy levels or acupuncture or McKenzie techniques or mulligan? And if also, if you want to have a specific type of care, so if you want to deal with specific patients like athletes versus the geriatric population versus the more working type of people, or if there is a preference or a specific interest that you have in treating certain conditions like, let's say, shoulder uh, impingement syndromes or specific issues with the knee. ACL rehab or something, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the important questions that you will be asked maybe 80% of the time. So mm-hmm. you should have uh, answers prepared for that. That way um, you're able to approach the interview more confidently. Mm-hmm. Now, one th- last thing I just want to add to that as well is the, uh, in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're a current student right now listening in, right, and you're going through your placements, your placements are meant to give you an understanding of, first of all, how to work with clients. It's the real life thing, right? That's, again, a very important component of the whole program you're going through. And you start to develop an idea of who you are as a clinician. You won't full, you might not fully 100% know. You'll still continue to develop after you come out of school. But you get a good idea initially, at least, what your treatment strategy or treatment style is. And a lot of times they might even ask you, which I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, is what is your treatment style? How do you approach? Because a lot of clinics have certain treatment styles that they want to continue with. And, you know, obviously, it's not likely they're going to force you to take on that treatment style. But they do want to understand how you approach client care, right? That's an important step that you need to take. And um, just kind of think about that as you're going through because prepare for them to ask you as well. Mm -hmm. 
And with things like treatment types and um, the kind of goals that you have for the future, it's also very important that your goals align with what the clinic uh, wants as well, how they want you to succeed. So it's always important to have your goals in mind, as we said before, for that question about the five years, but also to see if the clinic is a right fit for you because they're interviewing you, but at the same time, you're interviewing the person conducting uh, the actual questions uh, to see if it's the right fit. So you have to remember your clinical goals. So again, the educational journey and what kind of a treatment style you want to have. You want to have some goals in mind like compensation. Uh, do you want to be a fee for service? Do you want to go on a salary? Do you want to have a bonus structure in place? Uh, you also want to keep in mind your development goals. Do you want to be a clinician uh, 10, 20, 30 years from now? Or do you want to transition into different roles or different type of physiotherapy? Will it only be in the clinic? Will it be hospital combined with the clinic? Will it mm -hmm. be more of a business or leadership type of roles? So you always have to make sure that this clinic or this job will enable you to pursue your goals down the line as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely, you know, in the next podcast, We'll, we'll be talking a little bit about the negotiations of the job and how you can essentially set up the negotiation so you can try to meet those goals that you have, whether it's clinical compensation or development. Um, and, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of clinic owners and the people who want to hire you, they will 100% work with you, right? And they want to help you develop. So it is important, again, just to be very open and um, communicate that appropriately. Now, you know, uh, you, the interviewer is not the only person that asks questions in an interview, right? You should also be asking some questions from the individual, right? You know, to get an understanding of how the clinic is, uh, how the clinic is run, who's in the clinic, etc., right? Some of the questions that, you know, we've, uh, Savana asked, the clinic owners or the people who have we've interviewed are things like, for example, what's the level of the training of other clinicians? Now, you know, for example, let's say you were aiming to do your ortho levels, right? And you know, you want to have someone who's potentially F-camp uh, in the clinic so you can learn from them, speak to them, and just about the whole journey, right? That might be something that's important to you, right? Or maybe it's the McKenzie style that you want to look at, or maybe it's concussion rehab or vestibular rehab, right? So getting that understanding of the level of training of the other clinicians uh, will be an important understanding for you so whether or not you can shadow them work with them and learn more right so the other thing is essentially asking them about mentorship now mentorship is huge right it's one of the most important things we have in our lives whether it's in our in this industry in the next industry whatever it is most people in every industry will tell you that they will credit a lot of their mentors for their success, right? That's a very important component. Now, you definitely want to have something set up um, for mentorship. And, you know, you can ask them how their mentorship is. Is it formal mentorship, informal mentorship? Uh, definitely talk to them about that. Get an idea of what they will be providing you. And um, so you can kind of set up your clinical goals, your development goals and all that and meet with the individuals you want to meet on a regular basis. And the other thing is you're going to ask them again about their compensation structure. So they might have had that in the advertisement of the job or they may have told you already. Um, but again, it's important to clarify that, understand how that works, right? What's is a fee for service? Is it hourly? Are there bonuses? Um, how, how are you getting compensated at the end of the day? 
Uh, a few other things, again, we, we usually think about is community engagement, for example. Um, are they involved in the community? Are they involved in certain uh, with certain other companies that you might be interested to work with? Or are they even open to more community engagement, right? If a company or if a clinic is not involved with the community as much, maybe they're busy, right? Again, it doesn't mean that they don't want to be. Maybe everyone's just too busy in the clinic. They're just waiting for you to be the individual to take that next step. Are they willing to help, let you help, right? The other thing is um, growth potential for your own self. Now, if you see yourself wanting to take on more leadership roles in the clinic, this is something that you can ask them. Say, hey, so what are some uh, other leadership roles that are available for me in the next year, next two years, next five years, right? How can I progress in the clinic and be more a part of the clinic and become a partner with you rather than um, kind of an individual working as an independent contractor or an employee? Right. The other thing you really want to for sure uh, ask is the goals of the clinic director or the, the clinic itself, right? Where do, where, does the, where do you see the clinic in five years? So ask them, uh, so where do you see yourself in five years, right? Because they'll ask you, but it's okay to throw it back at them too, right? To just ask them to see what their goals are because everybody has goals, right? Even the clinic director, or the clinic manager, or the clinic owner, right? They all have, maybe they want to expand, right? Maybe, maybe they say, I want to expand. I'm looking for, you know, a young new grad to work with me, stay here for few years learn uh, you know learn the ropes and then maybe in three to five years they can take on a role and help and grow to another clinic right these are all opportunities that could be presented to you but you have to again ask them and you have to uh, be uh, communicating with them as best as possible mm -hmm. and some of this information does not surface up until you actually start working that's why you want to prepare these questions to get the full picture and really factor into your decision uh, because you won't be just picking from one clinic, you will be picking from uh, four or five up to 10 maybe different clinics, yeah. right? Depending on yeah. how thorough you want to go with your job search. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, those little factors will definitely sway your decision one way or the other. And um, these days, clinics also want to try to step up and provide more value to the physiotherapist. So mentorship definitely comes up mm -hmm. <laughs> every single time and For sure, as, yeah. uh, as one of those bargaining chips <laughs> at the interview as well. Mm -hmm. But we will talk about that in the negotiations phase. Sure. But is the clinic director or the person who's doing the interview the only person who should be contacted? Well, I mean, that depends, right? So... We definitely, Sarush and I, like to do a little bit of extra research just to get a full picture from as many different points of view as possible. So we all, if there are assistants in the clinic, we like to mm -hmm. ask them, what is the type of style of physio you like to work with? How should we communicate to make the process as smooth as possible? Mm -hmm. Because the assistants still fall underneath your responsibility, right? So you mm -hmm. want to make sure that they also have the expertise and the knowledge in mm -hmm. order to execute the kind of things you want to apply to your patient care. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that they're always on your side as well, just to um, communicate with the patient and uh, provide that wholesome care. Another person who you should talk to is uh, the front desk representative as well. Mm -hmm. So they're responsible for the customer engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And the overall satisfaction of the uh, patient in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So one is they'll tell you, some of the billing practices to make sure that you protect your uh, physiotherapist number as well, mm -hmm. the license number. Second is you can uh, get a rough idea of how booked up uh, most physiotherapists are mm -hmm. so that you can see what your caseload will look like and um, what the patterns are from other physiotherapists if they are in the clinic. And mm -hmm. lastly, we should be talking to the other physios because they are in our shoes 
a certain amount of years from now. Mm -hmm. So you want to know what their experience is, what kind of things they like, what kind of things they don't like. Mm -hmm. And it's other factors other than patient care in the clinic, right? Like Mm -hmm. charting, for example, and some of the tools that they use in order to provide the care. Want to make sure that they feel supported and uh, enabled in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you also made a good point about just the billing. Um, but also the other thing you can also talk to the front desk or essentially the individual hiring you is how they bill. So some clinics might have direct billing, right? And some clinics might not. So you kind of want to get an idea of that. And then then even maybe asking the front desk about how they book clients in or see what mm-hmm. software they use and all that. You know, all those stuff will also be important because you want to get an understanding uh, if you want to work in a clinic where they have, is it electronic charting or paper charting? Like for me personally, that does make a difference, right? Because uh, I don't write well and fast, but I can type faster, right? Mm-hmm. Again, because, you know, after you finish with your clients, you're going to have to do some charting. Um, as much as everyone needs paperwork, it is part of the job, right? It, you have to get that in, get an accurate picture of what happened so that next, next time you're able to continue from there. But that's another thing that you could definitely kind of talk to either the front desk or the individuals about as well. Right. And the um, EMR systems also differ from place to place. So yeah. uh, some people, some clinics have a more convenient EMR and the other ones, it is a little bit more complicated. So you just want to uh, see how it's actually be- been done and how uh, convenient it is for you to mm-hmm. save the most amount of time you possibly can. Sure. Now, the, the one last thing we do want to also credit to uh, Daryl Yardley as well, who really pushed us to do this with our uh, the other clinicians as well. Or He's also mentioned this in our classes a couple times when he came to lecture at UFT, is an observational shift. Obviously, this is a very important thing to do because you want to go put yourself in that situation um, to understand how the clinic is operating at their busiest or even at their least busiest hours, right? Now, you can kind of see how the working dynamic is. Um, if there are assistants, see how the in- assistants are interacting with the physio and just see how the clients are coming in and out. Um, That's kind of a pressure situation and you can see how the clinic is responding to that situation. So you get a good feel for the actual clinic as well because again, on paper, some things could sound great, but maybe you don't fully connect with it and you won't know that until you actually go in and do your observational shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely important to have that experience of what's going to happen in a pressure situation like you mentioned and uh, how certain people react in those uh, circumstances. So ideally, you want the team to gel and work as a cohesive unit to provide Mm -hmm. uh, the best experience and the best patient care possible Mm -hmm. and um, make sure that you'll be the right fit in there. Mm -hmm. So we've definitely provided you some tips on what to do to prepare for the interview uh, and actually rock the interview and (laughs) what kind of things to do post the interview. So... In this case, it's we talked about having the proper appearance, uh, utilizing the body language to the best, to your best advantage, uh, incorporating the mirroring technique uh, with the interviewers, and in terms of uh, some of the most important questions you will be asked, some important questions that you should ask, outlining your goals and desires within the clinic. And lastly, uh, speaking to other people besides the person interviewing you and going in for the observational shift uh, to see if it's the right fit during a pressure situation, ideally. And if not, just uh, making sure that you see how things run and if you'll be able to integrate into that system successfully. Yeah. And again, always keep in mind, be authentic and be yourself, because again, that that will speak 
volumes to the individual. So just make sure they fully understand who you are and what your goals are. And so hopefully those line up and then hopefully you get to the negotiation phase and which we'll be talking with you guys with next episode. And then we'll be going through some of the things that we also did and stay tuned because we also have some notes from a Harvard business school professor who talked about some of the, some of the tips that he uses for uh, negotiations as well. So we'll speak to you guys then. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have any questions, send us an email at info at ptbusinesscorner.com or send us a message at one of our social media websites, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. We'll speak with you guys soon. Have a great day, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.